Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Alandari, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician... That's me, and a health education expert... That's me. Talk about what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. The understaffing of nursing home facilities and the impacts on residents' health and well-being. In this episode here, we will discuss a disturbing trend in the American nursing home industry. Now, according to a recent investigation by the USA Today, over 75% of more than 15,000 nursing homes in the U.S. had fewer nurses and assisted living aides in 2021 than recommended by Medicare's payment formula. However, regulators only cited a fraction of those facilities for being understaffed. There are several reasons why nursing homes may intentionally understaff their facilities, the primary of these being a desire to save money on one of the number of primary costs of running such a facility, and in this case, that of course is employment. Additionally, these centers often deal with chronic staffing issues because of the high turnover, given the relatively low pay rates and the incredibly demanding nature of these jobs. Whatever the reason, understaffing can have serious consequences for both residents and staff. Some nursing facilities may struggle to find and retain enough certified staff who are adequately trained and capable of providing the care that residents need. This can lead to a race to the bottom, where new staff are less likely to stay because of the challenges they experience and the incentives offered by other care facilities for new staff. Residents end up with inadequate service from partially trained staff who already have one foot out the door. Studies have been shown that the presence of enough nursing aides and nurses in nursing homes is the best predictor of residents' chance of thriving in that facility. On the other hand, when the resident-to-staff member ratio increases out of control, abuse and neglect become more and more likely. Essentially, medical tasks may be forgotten, leading to missed doctor's appointments, unanswered calls, unchanged diapers, no showers, and untreated wounds. As a result of this neglect and abuse, nursing home residents may suffer psychological problems, physical illness, and even die. But understaffing can also have negative effects on the staff, causing them psychological problems and physical illnesses as well. President Biden had promised to set tougher standards for nursing home staffing, but it is already clear that the federal government does not enforce current existing guidelines. This leaves many nursing home residents vulnerable, especially those with limited mobility, who rely on caregivers for their movement and physiological needs. We don't only need more regulations, we need more enforcement and more resources available for assisted living facilities. We often say on this show, society can be judged by how they take care of their most needy and vulnerable in relation to how we take care of our elderly, particularly those from limited means, we are grossly, grossly failing. 
If you have a loved one in a nursing home and suspect that they are being neglected or abused, it is important to investigate further and to take action. The Elder Locator is a federal service sponsored by the Department of Health and Human Services. It connects seniors to housing, healthcare, and other government resources and also acts as a first place to start a report about potential elder neglect. You can learn more by calling the toll-free Elder and Nursing Home Abuse Complaint Hotline at one 800 677 one 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 six. Fertility and reproductive rights in the context of sickle cell disease. So, nearly 100,000 people in the U.S. suffer from sickle cell, most of whom are of African or Caribbean descent. According to the Centers for Disease Control, it occurs in about one out of every 365 Black or African-American births. And about one in 13 Black or African-American babies is born with a sickle cell trait. This disease affects the production of red blood cells and comes with many complications that can impair one's ability to lead a quote-unquote normal life. The disparity between treatment options for sickle cell disease and other diseases that commonly affect people of other races raises questions about the equity of healthcare in the U.S. Healthy blood cells are shaped in such a way that maximizes their storage capacity for hemoglobin, a protein that carries oxygen on blood cells. Sickle cell is a disease that affects the shape of blood cells, causing them to be more rigid and limits the amount of available hemoglobin. Being a recessive trait, someone with one copy of the sickle cell mutation has what is called sickle cell trait and has mostly healthy blood cells that rarely cause complications. Someone with two copies of this mutation, one from each parent, has what is called sickle cell disease. People with sickle cell disease suffer from a multitude of complications, including anemia, severe pain, swelling of the extremities, frequent infections, and fertility problems. Treatment options for the fertility problems has become a growing concern for those who suffer from sickle cell disease. The disease can affect fertility in a number of ways. For men, the misshapen blood cells can clot in the penis or testes, causing irreparable damage to the reproductive tissues. This can either limit sperm production or hinder the functionality of sex organs. For women, sickle cell disease can cause severe inflammation of the ovaries, limiting their function and preventing pregnancy. One cure for sickle cell disease is a bone marrow transplant. Before receiving the transplant, patients must first undergo rounds of chemotherapy, which may lead to infertility. People who undergo chemotherapy might elect to freeze their eggs in hope of maintaining the possibility of having children down the road. Freezing eggs is an expensive procedure that can cost upwards of $10,000 and is often not covered by insurance. This is where questions of equity begin to arise. Children with cancer who undergo cancer treatment are given clear recommendations to undergo fertility preservation. However, there are no such guidelines for those who suffer from sickle cell disease, right? I mean, isn't that interesting? Like, of course, Mm -hmm. because again, Mm -hmm. this is where society oftentimes leans against where this is that implicit bias or racism that exists in the healthcare system. So a a researcher at John Hopkins uh, in uh, sickle cell says that the discrepancies in fertility options look something like you can have treatment or you can have fertility. But what we say in cancer is you can have treatment and you can have fertility. Raising awareness of these issues and pressuring insurance companies to cover fertility preservation has been of increased importance for many groups, especially because sickle cell disproportionately affects people of color. 
There's a push from sufferers of the disease to raise awareness throughout the medical community and insurance companies to promote more inclusive policies and financial coverage. And we want to join that call on the Noise Filter Show. It is long past time that people who suffer with this have better access to diagnosis and treatment options, which help make this a more manageable illness. Yeah, I think that the the thing that I think is incredibly important too is that you know we're we're looking at equity, and um and and again this is where implicit bias or structural discrimination exists in the healthcare system. Do we really think that the insurance companies are going to give up on profits so that no, this will never be paid for? Um, and what we're doing again is disproportionately affecting communities of color through these policies. You know. <laughs> You know, when we sit down and we read all these stories at once, it just, it hits you when you get all these stories just, of, you know, hitting you at once. It's, you know, it's just it, our, our, yeah. it, 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 our, our system is difficult. And, you know, honestly, even the one that we wrote, that we read today about the different amazing advances in medicine, right? It's like mm-hmm. the technology's out there. The brain trust is out there. Like we have ways to, to deal with this stuff. It's a willingness issue. That's what's even worse. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast. Follow us on social media and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Hickerson, at hopehickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D-R-D-E-R-Y. To see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefiltershow.com. We are grateful to our sponsors, including Access Health Louisiana and the End the Epidemic Initiative, who are working to bring equitable health outcomes to everyone they serve. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your healthcare providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right.